just a little bit, but we'll be wrapping up this morning, and I'll do a, a quick review here in a second. Um, so we've been talking, uh, continuing the, the study and the foundations of faith, those things that are good for, for people who are considering uh, dedicating their lives to Christ, obeying the gospel, things that they be good for them to know, or if they're you know new converts, good for them to know. Um, and also good for those of us who may have been, been in the church for a while, good for us to review uh, and to think about. And so the study I've been doing, I've called What the Church Is and What the Church Isn't, um, to kind of refresh what our mission is, why we're here, what we're doing, and maybe help dispel some misconceptions uh, held by both people outside of the church, but also sometimes people within the church. And so we've been going over a few different uh, examples of things that the church is based on Scripture and things that the church isn't and explaining why. Uh, so, first week we covered uh, the church as a building. According to 1 Corinthians 3, we talked about uh, those of us being part of that building process, uh, foundation being Christ. And of course the apostles built upon that foundation. We build upon that as we continue to grow and as the, the, the church continues to exist over time in this world, uh, we're continuing to build on the foundation laid before us. Uh, we said the church is not a social club. While the church has a social aspect to it, and it's an important aspect to it for, for us as people, for us to have social interactions, relationships with each other in the church, um, while that is important and part of the church, that is not the whole of the church. That's not the primary mission of the church. Uh, is to get together and just, you know, have fellowship meals or or whatever it may be. That's not that's not the only reason we're here. Uh, so it's a warning for us to not treat the church as such. To understand that we have a a, a higher mission than simply spending time together. Uh, we talked about the church being a body. We talked about the interdependence of the members of the body um, and how the body works together to accomplish its goals, its tasks, how Christ is the head of the body. Um, uh, we talked about the church is, is not a political organization. Now, our values based on Scripture may influence some of our political beliefs, but we do not serve any uh, human, any person, any human organization, any group. We don't, we don't exist to serve their interests. We serve God's interests, right? God and Christ... The church belongs to them. It does not belong to any human or group of humans. And so we talked a little bit about keeping perspective and not getting distracted by worldly affairs to the extent that it hurts our faith and it hurts our ability as the church to get the job done. Uh, and then finally last week, we talked about the church being a kingdom. And we went over that one kind of quickly. Um, I do think we got the, the primary point across, though. Uh, a kingdom needs a king. Of course, we have a king, a living king, uh, and it's none of us. Um, a kingdom needs a, a realm, a domain, which is, of course, um, the church, right? The church is the kingdom uh, across this world, um, and the, the kingdom needs subjects, and that's us, right? We have joined the kingdom of God, and so we serve our king. Uh, I made the point that the church is a kingdom, it's not a democracy, right? We don't, uh, we don't vote on how we want things to be done. God tells us how he wants things done, and we follow what he says. All right, 
So that's what we covered so far in the past two weeks. Uh, I got two more points this morning, and then time permitting, I'd like to just have a little bit more discussion because I think there's been a lot of good discussion coming out of this class. Also, that's all that I prepared. So if I finish early, then I have nothing else to say, um, and that's when I farm it out to you guys. Uh, so remember, I told you that the knots, right? The church is not X. The church is not Y. Uh, those are supposed to be a little more controversial, a little more challenging, something for us to kind of think about and chew on, um, whereas the church is points are fairly easy because we just go in Scripture and we read it, right? It's kind of hard to dispute that. So this is my last knot, and especially for those outside of the church, it might be a little confusing at first. Uh, so my, my last point on what the church isn't is the church is not a charity. Uh, and again, I said some people might be confused at it hearing that, but let's, let's sit down and talk about it a little bit. This is not to say that the church should not be charitable or benevolent. Um, we see that in Scripture throughout the New Testament. Uh, both you know, us as Christians, we need to be charitable, giving people, generous people, and also we see examples of the church providing uh, for, for those in need. We see... Uh, explicit commands about helping the widows and the orphans, right? So we're not talking about not being charitable. What my point is is that the church is not a charity as, as an entity, right? As a, as, a, as a mission in that sense. Let's read some scripture and maybe that will help make it more clear. So if we go to Luke chapter 12... And I'm going to start in verse 22, actually. Luke chapter 12, verse 22 and 23. And my, my primary point is in verse 23, but I'm going to give a little bit of context. Uh, Jesus is speaking, uh, starting in verse 22. And he said to his disciples, For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Now hold that in the back of your mind because I don't want to address that yet, but, but just kind of keep that in the back of your mind there. Let's go to John chapter 6. All right, again, I'm going to start in verse 22, but, but keep in mind the context is kind of going back all the way to the beginning of, of chapter 6. Jesus kind of explains it, though, here, um, and, the, and John does, too. Starting at verse 22 of John, chapter 6. The next day, the crowd that stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other small boat there except one that Jesus had not entered with, with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples had gone away alone. There came other small boats from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Actually, I'm going to go into verse 27. Um, so in verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. Okay, 
So what is Jesus' frustration here with the people? Right. So, so at the beginning of chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And so this is following that account, uh, kind of a, kind of a, a follow-up issue from that. Um, and I think, we, I think we discussed it a fair bit, but, but we don't always, I think, necessarily include that part of the story when we talk about feeding the 5,000. Uh, so yeah, Jesus' frustration is that, okay, you're following me around... But why are you following me? Are you following me for the teachings that I give and the challenges that come with them, or are you following me because I gave you food? Um, and it's like, like he says here, you know, I, I gave you bread. You guys are following me around. You want more bread. That's not my point, right? I gave you food, but the point of it was not the food itself. It was to illustrate something. It was to show something, to show that I am from God and that my teaching is from God. And so taking... Jesus' perspective here, as well as the, the Luke reading that we had a second ago, what I want to propose to you is that while we do need to be benevolent and charitable, we also have more to give. And I think the trap that some people fall into, possibly some, some churches or at least religious organizations fall into, is that they want to feed the 5,000, but they may be afraid or they neglect to give the living bread, right? And so when I say the church is not a charity, what I'm, not, I'm not saying the church should not be benevolent. I'm saying the church should be benevolent, but should not stop there. So perhaps the better way of saying this is that the church is not just a charity, if you want to look at it that way. Um, that we have much more to offer than just bread, right? We have something to offer that a secular charity cannot give. Uh, we understand that there are more needs for individuals than just uh, necessities of this life. And again, that's not to minimize those things. And I think there are, there are sayings that kind of get to the point of it's going to be difficult to teach someone while they're hungry, right? You, you want to help provide for needs, but you also want to be able to convey the gospel because you can help someone get through this life, but if you are not preparing them for the next one, where are they really in the end? You know, you've provided temporary comfort, but you haven't really solved their biggest problem. Um... So really what it comes down to, I think, from my perspective, from, from what I'm reading, and from what I understand uh, from, from the epistles, especially in New Testament teaching, we have a mission to serve others. But that service doesn't end at you know, physical necessities. That service goes beyond that because we're offering not only you know, life in the now, but life in the hereafter, right? Eternal life. Yes?
Interesting. Okay. The 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 point uh, the point if you didn't hear um, was the idea that uh, contributions to the church to support evangelistic work. Um, wow, my mind just went blank. That basically say it again so that I can make sure I say it right. Yes. Right. Okay. So yeah. So you can be doing doing a charitable giving in a in a physical sense uh, when you are contributing to the to the, the church. The work thereof is also benefited because it goes into evangelistic efforts as well. Right. Um, yes. As kind of a, a way to open the door, yeah, the benevolence kind of to open the door to be able to speak to them on deeper matters. I think it's especially difficult um, in missionary work because you don't have the same cultural groundwork to go ahead and start talking, right? And there might be some suspicion depending on where you are. Um, and I think that does fall on us, um, fall, fall on us as a whole, but I think also the leadership in a way when we're deciding what ministries we're going to pursue and how we're going to do things is because you kind of have to find, I don't want to say a balance because it makes it sound like both things should be equal, but you have to find a way to offer enough in the, the physically charitable sense that people will give you the opportunity to speak to them about the gospel. And if you go to people in need and all you're speaking is the gospel, you run into the danger of someone saying, okay, that's great, but I haven't eaten in three days. But on the flip side, if you just offer food or whatever and you don't give them any scripture, then their end state will be worse than their current state. And so finding how to... Use both of those aspects of charity, because I would argue that that sharing the gospel is is a form of charity in itself, right? It's still giving life. It's still benefiting people. Finding how to, to do both of those in tandem in a way that that continues to, to give opportunities to speak to people and continue to, to work in people's lives, I think is a challenge. I think it's a challenge based on uh, where you are, you know, if you're in the U.S. or you're in India or wherever you may be, I think it might also be a challenge depending on the person or the people that you're working with. That may be a case-by-case -case basis. Chris, yes. When I saw it here, Yeah, so these, these are both good points. Both good points, separate points. I want to try to address each one. 
Um, there are a lot of charities in the world. There are a lot of charities in the world for various causes, um, and a lot of times they may lean into a specific type of charity, and, and, and those are good things. I'm not going to dispute that those things are good, but the difference is we're offering more, right? Um, and that God is getting the glory for the things we do. It's not about us, it's about God, and it's about His mission and fulfilling His mission. And so you know, no other charity, if you want to classify the church as a charity, no other charity in the world can offer eternal life. And that's what makes us unique. And the challenge is, based on Roger's comment, and I'm sure you have a lot of first-hand experience with this being an elder, is that people don't always deliver if they, if they, want to, if they say they want to be involved in some way in the church. And I wonder, I wonder if we fall into a trap of trying to make it transactional, where if, you know, I will pay your electrical bill if you will come to church next week. And of course, a lot of times they're not going to follow up on that because they got what they wanted. Uh, I don't have the answers, obviously. Um, I'm just kind of musing at this point. But I do wonder, I mean, how do you do that? You know, how do you, how do, you do it in a way that isn't really transactional because even then it kind of feels wrong in a way. Um, because, because the gospel is not something you exchange, right, for, for goods and services. Um, but how do you do it? I figure if we had the answer, we would have figured it out by now. But, but I think it's an interesting problem, especially in our community, because there is that cultural familiarity with Christianity. Pretty much anyone you talk to is going to have some sort of familiarity with the Bible and with the church. They've probably been in a church building before. Um, and so they should be more approachable. But I think on the flip side, that also means that they might take it for granted more. And take us for granted. And to be clear, I didn't want to insinuate that we do that transactionally. I'm, right. I'm just saying, like, you know, how, how do you do it? The, the challenge is that, again, in our area, people know that churches are generous. You're going to get taken advantage of, too. Um, and I don't think it reflects upon the church if someone you help does, you know, abuses it. That's not us. We're not at fault for that. But we do have a limited budget, right? And so we're trying to figure out how do we do the best good with what we have. And if you've got someone who's trying to, to grift on the church, you know, that those resources, you don't know at the time, might be better used elsewhere for someone who can actually... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. God that we're able to 
Yeah, that is a good point. I guess something, a, a challenge for us to kind of keep in mind is ultimately at some level, you know, it's in God's hands, right? We can't control the entire situation. We can't control the outcome. You know, at some level, it's going to be an individual making a decision uh, and, of course, God giving the increase in, in God at work. That, that's a good point. Yeah, I think that's ultimately, ultimately the point I'm trying to get to here, is that the, it, the root of what we're doing, right, the, the focus, the, the idea behind it is, is God, right, is, is the work of the church ultimately in saving souls, and how that, um, how that is kind of the origin of, of everything else that comes out of that, right? Everything else that comes out of that is built on this mission of saving souls. That's a good point. Yeah, I figured I wasn't looking over in this direction, so I wanted to give you guys a chance. Like you teach and you get salvation on the open Most everybody knows that as a charity. Right. It's a church. Mm-hmm. Yet everybody sees it as a charity. But they are a church. I have some neighbors that I grew up beside. They did it salvation on the church. Mm-hmm. They played in the band. You know, they had all those kinds of things going on. But people don't see it as that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's difficult to uh, replace or improve upon the personal experience, right? I mean, like you mentioned, the 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 corporate um, efforts also have their role in their place, but I think it is I think probably the most effective Bible study is the is the one on one, right? Because then you've got comfort of knowing the person. You've you you have the ability to go back and forth and directly answer questions. And it's, it's efficient, right? A um, hundred members talking to a hundred people is more efficient than a group of a hundred, you know, trying to reach out to a few at a time. Um, and it, it's a good point. So, full transparency, I couldn't really find a good picture that I wanted to use for the slide. So this one came up, and it had the sticker with the Salvation Army. But it's a good point because the Salvation Army is a religious group, and they do have religious teachings, but 
if you bring up the Salvation Army, what do people see? They see a charity. And I think that's an example of a religious group who has leaned so far into the charity aspect that they're teaching no one knows about it. I can't tell you what their doctrine is. I have no idea. I know that they do charity work, but I have no idea what their teaching is. There's another point I could have had. The church is not a business, right? That's another one. I'll save that for another lesson. Yeah, I think, I think that might be a good point to end on, is that you, you never know what's, what your actions, you know, what might come from them. Whether it's, you know, like, like you're talking about, just being prepared for someone who asks for a handout, that yes, you know, here you, I'll, I'll do this for you, and also please you know, consider the Lord's church, or whatever it may be. You, you never know, again, because God gives the increase. God's ultimately in control. Uh, and, and you're dealing with people who are free moral agents making their own decisions. You never really know what's going to happen. So it would be like a Samaritan, a good Samaritan, take face on my name, do what you can for the, for the, for the person. I mean, that's a good point. What do you think happened to that guy after the fact? I'm sure it stuck with him. I mean, from the, the story perspective, you know. Um, yeah. All right. So last point from me. Uh, the church is a family. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. So, Paul is writing here. Uh, he talks about, um, he's talking about blessed be God uh, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, he's doing part of his introduction to his epistle. Uh, but he says that he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. Um, and there's multiple places in Scripture where the church is referred to as a family of sorts. There's that, that type of um, 
language is used, adopted as sons, family of God, things like that are, are used throughout. Um, if you view the church as a family, well, first of all, okay, first of all, I want to ask. Personally, I'm related to a fair number of people here, but is everyone in this building related to each other? I know we live in Alabama, but I don't think that's true. Um, and so when we say the church is a family, what are we saying? If, if not that. Sorry? We're all in Christ. Okay. Children of God. Okay. What else? Joint heirs. Joint heirs. Okay. Heirs. Family. Gotcha. Love one another. Okay. Yeah, so this is, this is metaphorical, right? This is not that we are literally earthly phys, uh, flesh and blood family, physically speaking, but that we have the traits of a family by our bond in Christ, right? By our status, I guess, as children of God, as heirs to the promise. And so we are a, a spiritual family uh, in a way. And so when we see the language in the New Testament, that's what we're talking about, is we have bonds as if we were a physical family, but it is in a spiritual sense. Now, when you view the church as a family, you can go off in a lot of interesting directions. Because families are interesting things, right? Family, family is great. Family is really good. Um, family has interesting and different characters a lot of times, Right? Uh, because you have all these different personalities and generations uh, who interact with each other on a regular basis. Um, you have older members who share things with the younger members. You have younger members that bring up new things to the older members, and the older members have to figure out how to handle the new things, and, and the, the older people have to illustrate to the younger people why the old things are important. Um, you have conflict. Isn't that really fun? Family can be really messy. Um, and that's not a bad thing. That's just part of family, right? Family is not always easy. Family is not always pretty. But you always come back to each other. Why? Because you're family. Because you love one another. Because you have those bonds. And so when we're talking about the church being a family, I think all of that is included in this. The good and the bad. I don't want to say bad. The challenging, right? The easy and the challenging. Uh, parts of being a family should be exemplified in the church. Um, if, if someone is struggling, then we, we're there, there to help them out. If someone uh, is celebrating, then we celebrate with them. Uh, anything you can think about, at least from a healthy family dynamic, uh, we should be seeing in the church. And if we're not seeing it in the church, why is that? Right? For you sitting here this morning... Consider your place in this congregation. Do you, I, I hate to use the word feel because of connotations, but do you feel like a member of a family? And if you don't, then why is that? Right? And is that your fault or someone else's? You know, is, is that a lack of involvement? Or maybe you just don't know a lot of people. Maybe you're new and you haven't quite, you know, come into and gotten to know people yet. Um, maybe there's some conflict you have with someone else here and you guys need to work that out. And that's hurting your relationship as members of this family because in the local sense, I would say the congregation is a family just as the broader sense of the church. Um, 
so I guess I'm getting to a point where I'm rambling here, but, but, but the idea of the church being a family has a whole lot of implications that maybe we don't always appreciate. Um, Okay. <laughs> and uh, coming to a church, and I've noticed this in multiple church prides, there will be an established family there. Mm-hmm. And when you come in, it's kind of overwhelming that like 90% of the people here are, are, are related mm-hmm. in some way. It might be a distant cousin or, or you know, a brother. You never know. And um, that was hard at first. And then the more I focused on the church and focused in the Bible and kept coming, I started to feel more like, oh, how I love this person, or oh, how I love that person. And the ones that I did have a problem with, it seemed like I was wanting right then, get that blank out of your eye. So God was just growing me through this, the love in this church. And then it was like, you don't see who's related anymore. It doesn't matter who's related anymore. You're going to have the people that you go to and you know that you can depend on, and the people that are kind of like, well, I see them at church, but I don't really know them that well. And and yet, if that person needed prayers, or if that person needed to put off their back, you do it because they're your family. Mm-hmm. So now, when we come to church, this is our family in Northern Alabama. And we would not give this up for anything because it leads us to a, what God wanted for his family, to love each other and be with him and worship him. And, and that's encouraging for me to hear as someone who has I mean, been coming to Midway since I was literally born. Um, to me, you're new, Right. Um, and so that's encouraging to hear because I think getting to a point you're making, um, adoption is complicated, right? Uh, adoption in, that, in the spiritual sense, but also in the, you know, in, in the world, in the physical sense, right? Adoption is complicated because you have to form bonds that didn't already exist, right? You've got to start somewhere, and you have to build those bonds over time. You have to integrate people. And... For those of us who have been around a while, right, it, it's on us to be able to reach out and to make connections with people who we don't know. I mean, that's kind of the point of the church, right? If we're going to go out and teach people, then we're going to be meeting people. And if we're going to be meeting people, then we're not going to know them at first. And so we have to, and I relate to this just as much as anybody would, it can be challenging to get to know someone new. And so when you are grafting people in, right, when you are... Being a member of God's adoption process, you know, there's, there's, there's that responsibility on you as a family member to help integrate people into the family, right? To be welcoming, um, to, to help people get to know others. Uh, all that is part of that process because we're not, we don't all start in the same place and we don't all start, I guess, both, both spiritually and physically. We're not all in the same place at the same time. There are people here who have probably been in this area all their lives, 50 plus years, 60 years, 70 years, you know, and, and you've seen a lot. You've experienced a lot of history in this congregation. You've seen this congregation move, literally, locations. Um, you've seen um, members come and go, um, leadership, elders who have 
uh, come up and then eventually their, their time uh, ended and another generation came up. You've seen ministers who've come in and out of, of Midway and, and do their work in their ministry. And there's a lot of history there, right? But the challenge is not to be so um, entrenched in the history that you miss the future, right? And that you miss what's going on around you, right? Because the church is constantly growing. It's a body. It's constantly growing. Or it should be. If it's not growing, it's dying. They're living historians. Mm-hmm. Nathan, did you have a comment? That's true. The, there is a point where we were, we might have sat in these pews on a regular basis, but that doesn't mean we were a member. All of us had to make a decision at some point, right? And of course God does the grafting. God adds to the, to the membership, but just because you've sat in the pews for so many years doesn't mean you're a member. There's a difference. And, and it's up to us at some point in our lives to decide, okay, I'm going to be a member of the church, not just a participant, right? Not just an attendee. Um, and there's responsibilities that come with that. A decision to make. There's an old saying that home is where you're treated the best and you act the worst. <laughs> Right, looking out for each other. Well, I threatened to give you guys a lot of discussion time. I didn't. I wound up getting both my points in though. There it is. Don't underestimate my ability to be long-winded. Um, all right. So real quick conclusion: you guys know all this hopefully by now. The church is and isn't many things to many different people, right? But there is a definition of what the church is based on Scripture. God has an expectation of what the church should be. And so, if it isn't that to you, you might need to do some more study. Um, it's, you know, our view of the church is, the, is our view of ourselves, right? We are the church. And so how I view the church is how I view myself and how I view the people around me. And so understanding the church means understanding ourselves. And, I mean, at that point... That's, that's your, your faith, right? That's your walk in life, is how you relate to God and how you relate to the others around you. Um, so, I thank you for your attention. I hope it has been a profitable lesson for you. Thank you for uh, going through it with me and for your really good comments. I really appreciate the discussion. Uh, we'll have someone else teaching next week, and I might be back up here again, so watch out for that. All right, thank you.